You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. It is a blessing. It is an honor to be in front of you right now. Um, it's, it's a blessing. It's an honor to be a part of this family and this body. I know we've only been here a, a short while, uh, but we've loved every second of it. I kind of want to tell you a story that brought us here that I, I think is kind of funny. And I, I will say I was going to bring up my phone and time myself for 25 minutes. And if it, if it dinged, I was just going to kind of get it over with. But Tess said, oh, we have plenty of time. Don't worry about it. So if I go over 25 or 30 minutes, you could talk to Tess afterwards. <laughs> don't, you don't, you don't need to talk to me about that. But um, so I'm going to tell a couple stories. I'm going to tell how we, Tess and I, I'm David. I've met a lot of you, but not probably every one of you. My name's David Grant. It's my wife, Tess. She's just a little prettier than me. Uh, but uh, this is the story that brought us here. So we were, I actually kind of fell into this church, a small church on the west side, this amazing church. And Tess had been going there like her entire life. And she was a singer there and this gorgeous singer. And, and I went there and I was just kind of playing a little bit of guitar and we joined the worship team and that's how we met and then ended up getting married. But we felt the Holy Spirit kind of leading us um, in a new direction. And we kind of started hopping from church to church and we spent a little bit of time at Bread of Life Ministries on the west side. Um, that's kind of my home church, that's where I grew up. And um, we never found a home. And Rick, coach, being the amazing man that he is, was, you know, like two or three or four times he kept texting me. He says, hey, man, you got to check out Sockham. You're going to love this. Like, you, you got to come to Sockham. I'm like, well, I already did ISSM. I already did Revive School of Transformation with Dave and Sandy Knoll. I graduated from the one-year thing. I said, I, how much more Holy Spirit school do I need? <laughs> I mean, I got Jesus, man. Come on. And... Uh, and I'm sitting there at Trader's Point before they have this new, beautiful, well, I guess it's not new, but new to them, this beautiful building downtown. It's literally a gorgeous building. But it was before that, and we were actually going to Trader's Point downtown before they moved into the building at the library downtown. And I'm just sitting there worshiping, literally my hands up, and the Holy Spirit just starts bringing these tears down my face. And it hits my heart, get a hold of Rick about Sockham. I was like, Okay. So I text Rick, secretly hoping that he'd be like, ah, shucks, you just missed it. It's in six months. You can make the next one. Or, hey, nine months later, man, we'll, we'll, see, you, we'll see you at the next one. And, and he responded very quickly. Thank you. And he said, oh, great. It starts this week. Like, I'll see you in like four days. <laughs> and then we didn't have a home. And I love this family more than almost anything in my life. They're like a second family to me. And their son, Chris, has been my best friend since sixth grade. And, and, uh, and we just stayed. So that brought us here. And then we actually moved to Danville. And that's about a 50 who's counting. I'm not counting. It's a 50-minute drive. And, and I said, ah, oh, shoot. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I don't feel like driving a couple hours every Sunday. You know, being the selfish person that I am. And, uh, and I was like, oh, no, we just got to this church. We've been there a year. Now we're going to have to move churches again. I, oh, geez. And the Holy Spirit just gave both of us this piece of you're where you're supposed to be. It's okay. The Holy Spirit is doing amazing things at this church. Whether you know it or not, he is. And frankly, I want to be a part of that. 
I hope all of us want to be a part of that. Um, so I didn't truly even, you know, I had something on my heart brewing for the last few months, and it's all about worship. And, and I thought to myself, and uh, what are you laughing at? Already checking time. And it's all about worship, but it's not just about worship. But does anybody ever feel like when you're worshiping, you're like in the middle of a battle and it's like spiritual warfare is going on and you were like taking ground in the kingdom when you worship, like as a form of a weapon? That's kind of what I'm going to get into today. And I feel like that's, you know, kind of my testimony. But just, you know, sometimes I need confirmation because I'm a little thick-headed sometimes. And Wednesday, and I don't read this a lot. I don't. Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. It's really powerful. It's really amazing. Um, but I don't read it a lot. But Wednesday, I said, you know, I don't know, I should read it, right? And so this was uh, last Wednesday, and it said, Worship me only. Whatever occupies your mind the most becomes your God. Worries, if indulged, develop into idols. Anxiety gains a life of its own, parasitically infesting your mind. Break free from this bondage by affirming your trust in me and refreshing yourself in my presence. What goes on in your mind is invisible, undetectable to other people. But I read your thoughts continually, searching for evidence of trust in me. I rejoice when your mind turns toward me. Guard your thoughts diligently. Good thought choices will keep you close to me. And it's kind of been a revelation. It seems so simple, but it's kind of been a revelation in my life. I probably should have picked this up a long time ago, but it's just how much your thought process has to do with the victory that you stand in in Jesus, because, you know, your, your words follow your heart, you know, as it says in Matthew, and then your heart follows your treasure, and I've always thought, well, I got the other two, I don't understand what the treasure is, and the treasure is your mind, what you always are putting on your mind, what you're thinking about, it becomes your idols, and then your heart comes after that, and then your words follow. So, before we get into Second Chronicles, and we're going to go old school today. I hope that's okay. I was like, you know, if I'm ever blessed enough to speak here again, maybe I'll put up a PowerPoint and we'll go through that together. But this is going to be like a small group Bible study going through Second Chronicles 20. If you have your devices, your Bibles, you could follow along. But quickly, and I'm going to try to do this in five minutes, I just want you to know it's just on my heart I'm supposed to tell the truth today. I'm supposed to tell the truth. And if that blesses somebody, it blesses somebody. Um, but this is kind of my testimony. I grew up on the west side of Indianapolis. Um, I have a sister named Sarah. She's on the west side with her husband, Rick, and kids in Avon. Um, my parents, Barb and Jim Graham, they're amazing people. I literally, I don't, I'm sure I did, but I, I don't really know, I didn't know how to describe pain until I was like in middle school. I mean, my childhood was blessed. My parents are still together. They loved me. They brought me up in the Lord. I was uh, baptized when I was nine. Um, but I'm just going to get to the thick of it rather than tell my whole story. Let's talk about what brought me to my knees and brought me to the point of wondering if I even wanted to live. And uh, so I grew up, probably my idol, I hate to say it, my small God was probably basketball. And I grew up loving basketball, the history of basketball, the, the, the Milan story, the Hoosiers story. I just loved everything. I, I knew the history of basketball. My dad took me to Butler at Hinkle Fieldhouse. And I watched all high school games. I followed Ben Davis High School team. And I, my dream was to play Division I college basketball. That's all I wanted to do. All I wanted to do was be a Division I basketball player. And I wanted to validate myself that I was a stud athlete. And it worked out for a little bit. 
And uh, I would, man, I would, every single night for years, I would shoot 100 free throws. One time I shot 110 in a row without missing. And I practiced all the time. I get to freshman year at Covenant, and um, I'm a freshman. It's kind of a newer, smaller high school, so it's not you know, that hard to be good there. But uh, you know, they're a much better team now, but this is in the first few years that they started the school. But I go in there as a freshman, I make varsity, um, start varsity, probably the best player in the school. And the only reason I say that is because we had a one-on-one -on -one basketball tournament amongst the basketball team, and I was a freshman, and I beat a senior in the, the final 10-4, to 10-2. to two. Just, Then we had a, a three-point shootout and a shooting contest, and I won that. I beat some senior in the final. And my whole identity was set up to say, when I'm walking around the school, all of my confidence has nothing to do with Jesus or nothing to do with who, who I am in Christ, but it's 100% just, I'm a basketball player. I'm an athlete. This is what I do. And so then, I, maybe I get a big head. Maybe Chris Francis uh, was at Plainfield. Um, another one of my best friends was going to transfer. I decided, you know, I'm going to go to a bigger school. Plainfield just one state. And I'm going to I'm gonna go to Plainfield. So we get there, and man, like two weeks, well, first practice, two weeks before sophomore year of school started, um, and I, I'm doing great in this first practice or whatever, um, running with the varsity team. And we do a five-man weave, not that anyone knows what that is. I know you do. But, uh, and I go up to shoot, and I'm, I try to jump as high as I can just to, you know, just to be good in the coach's eyes. And something felt off, and I remember just watching the ball and the ball goes in the hoop, so I'm kind of proud. But I'm like, what just happened to me? I fell down, and I remember being embarrassed. And then, um, and then I got up from being embarrassed, and then I fell down again. And I said, what is happening? And I finally looked down at my leg, and it's stuck in this L shape. And my bone, about two inches, was just coming out of my leg, my high leg, like right under my knee. Um, and long story short, that was the end of those dreams. Um, I still played high school basketball. I, I actually played football my senior year as well, but I was never the same, and I never had the same confidence, and my, my basketball high school career was very average, and I never played college, and that devastated me to the point that, this gets a little worse here, to the point that I was so desperate. I always wore arch supports, and I had you know, flat feet, but, you know, I, and I did have pain, but it was like, okay, it was manageable, but I decided, you know, I had a buddy that had this surgery. I'm gonna have this surgery. I am so desperate to ha have my identity back that I go and have this surgery on my feet to better my arches, that I probably didn't need. I did have pain, but I probably didn't need it. And, um, and I remember everyone went off to college. My girlfriend and I broke up. Um, I was living at home. I had two you know, casts on my legs. I'm in a wheelchair for three months. And then, then I'm finally like, okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to the doctor, and I'm going to get these casts off, and my life's going to start getting better again, right? And he starts you know, taking his knife, whatever it is, and starts, you know, getting the, the cast off my legs. And I'm like, okay, well, I see a couple scars on my feet. That's, okay, that's what I expected. That's what we talked about. And then I, I had these two, <clears throat> these two, one on each calf, like three, three and a half inch scars on my calf. I'm like, what is that? We didn't even talk about this. And he says, well, you know, that, that helps with your stretching, and this and that. Now, I have a physical therapist for a wife, and I know that that is not practiced anymore. It was probably never needed. Aggressive stretching is the answer. But what it did was it took out 50% of the strength in my calf in both legs, and I will never regain that. And it, 
come on, Jesus. And uh, I'll admit, obviously, you know, I still sometimes struggle with that. That's why we have to continually put our minds steadfast on Jesus all the time. You're not just going to have one enemy in your life. You're going to have many enemies. And peace, there's no peace if there's no opposition. To have peace, you always have to be walking in Christ. Because there's always going to be an enemy on this earth. And uh, anyway, that spiraled into a deep, dark depression where I started thinking about, okay, uh, so I managed at IEPY, I had a 3.3 GPA, and I go to, I transferred to IU, and my life just, wherever it was, it certainly wasn't up here, but it went down there. And, uh, and I started living this fake life of hiding my grades. I didn't even show up to classes, right? And so that's something the devil was like always hitting me on my intelligence because I didn't even show up to class. So I, I, my, for a year, my report card said, uh, four Fs, one C, the one easy class I decided to show up to and do half the work. I mean, I remember one morning, and I was living this fake life. I literally got my book bag and got my stuff, went out and got in my car so none of my roommates would say anything or suspect anything, and I would leave, and then I would come back as if I was doing something. And I hid my report card from my dad for like a year. I don't know how I got through a semester without him seeing it. Love you, Dad. Um, but usually he's all, it was all over that. But uh, I got through a year and I started thinking, there is no way I could, I could like, I, my time's up. I was lucky to get through one semester without my dad asking a bunch of stuff. And, uh, you know, think about your dad paying for this. And, you know, I just completely took a bunch of money and just lit it on fire and just had a bunch of Fs. And my 3.3 GPA went down to 1.5. I got kicked out of IU, um, flunked out. They said, hey, go to Ivy Tech, come back. But I was so depressed. I remember like two months, a month before the report card came out, I was thinking, all right, do I really want to go through this? Do I really want my identity the rest of my life be the dude that failed at sports, um, can't find this identity? I always knew God loved me, but I never felt like I was like a son. Like, it, it was just waves of, okay, if I do good or if I'm on fire, then that's good. But if I'm down, it's like he's upset with me and I've completely disappointed him. And, uh, and that's when I started thinking about suicide and do I really want to go through this anymore? And the thing that would sustain me and keep me during those really, really hard times are, 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 is the fact that I always have loved to worship. I've always just loved worshiping God. And there would be times when I would be thinking about suicide and then I would just start praising God. Or the one thing I did when I was at IU was on Wednesday nights I would go to uh, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ and I would just worship. And in those moments of worship, nothing else matters. You're literally putting yourself in heaven and worshiping Jesus and you don't have to deal with the anxiety and the fear and the mountains in your life and the, the lies that the devil's just taunting you with day and night. Um, and I think I always knew that I always knew that Jesus loved me. I don't know that I always believed I was a son. I don't know what, that I knew what sonship was, but uh, but I think that kept me. And obviously, I'm here. Um, so I didn't go that route, but I did go to California. And um, part of that was to get away. I think part of that was just for adventure. But I went and lived on the beach, pursued acting, and it was just. I had, I had a really great time. I lived with Chris Francis for um, a couple of years on the beach. It was great um, as we pursued our things together. But 
when I was out there, certainly part of it was just chasing this other thing, and I was like trying to create this new identity for myself. It's like, well, the athlete thing is clearly not my identity, so maybe I could have this acting life, and people back home will see me, and I'll get on TV, and this and that, and I'll really be something again. I was always craving to be something that I can build up with myself that isn't through Jesus. Well, that identity also did not work out. So I came back home, there was like this, this thickness in my heart. I was like, I need to come back home. So I came back home, uh, went back to IEPY. Somehow they let me back in with a 1.5. Um, this is a, it starts to get a bit redemptive here. Like, you know, I took a 1.5, shot it back up to over a 3.5, graduated with a couple degrees, um, uh, graduated with honors. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still, and that was, you know, I'm 34 years old, and that was only five years ago. It's, you know, I, I took my time on that one, but, uh, but uh, I'm really proud of that. And then maybe a, a few months before I was going to graduate, like Jesus just started racking my heart with love, and I just, like I, I couldn't escape it. I mean, the things that I was struggling with in sin just kind of like stopped, and He was just racking my heart with love, and. Um, and I started going to this new church on the, on the west side. I'm actually spacing the name of it. Uh, what, uh, yeah, the Blended Church. Really cool church on the west side. And I remember thinking, I'm, I was already baptized. I'm not into getting baptized, you know, four, five times. But I remember just sitting there, there and having this baptism Sunday. And, I just, and the Holy Spirit came on me, and I just started. I, so I, I cry. I cry more than Tess does, unfortunately. We go to a movie, and I'm the one crying, not her. But, and, I, and I just started crying, and... And uh, the Holy Spirit came on, and he's like, I want you. I want you. So I rededicated my life that day, told a little bit of my story to the congregation, got, got baptized. I don't want to say again, but to me, that was rededicating my life um, to Jesus. And, and, and since then, things haven't been perfect, but I know what sonship is now. I know who I am in Jesus, and I know that, that I, I can never be separated from the love of Christ. Nothing can take that away. Not even death can take that away. And things are not perfect in my life, but that's why we always have to go and live in the Spirit daily. Like, we're going to be lost if we're not doing that, because we can choose daily to live in the flesh or live in the Spirit. And, but, you know, I did do a year of uh, Revive School of Transformation. It used to be called, yeah, anyway, ISSM. Now it's called a Revive School of Transformation. Did, did Sockham. Um, married my beautiful wife uh, when we, you know, when I came back to, to Indiana. And, and what's just really been on my heart is, you don't have to raise your hand, not, you, know, you don't have to do that, but I could guarantee you there are people here that are struggling with anxiety, fear, depression, not knowing exactly what to do with their life, not knowing where to go, having multiple roads and just not knowing what to do, living in the flesh rather than living in the spirit, having the devil taunt you with lies that are not true about yourself and you're being confused and saying, man, do I believe this about myself? And so if there's anybody, again, don't raise your hand, but if there's anybody here that's going through anything like that, this is going to be an old school Bible study. Second Chronicles 20 has just been racking my heart. We're going old school today. Let's just small group Bible study. If you have your Bibles, devices, feel free to follow along. Uh, if not, that's also okay. But I am going to kind of read somewhat quickly because I'm going through almost, not all of it, but probably half the chapter of Second Chronicles 20. Um, Guys, this is a radical story. 
I mean, this was people absolutely facing literal death, admitting they have no clue what to do about it, and knowing the only way they live is that they give everything to Jesus and listen to the Holy Spirit and actually act on what the Holy Spirit says, even if it sounds completely irrational. So, thankfully, the Holy Spirit talked to me uh, yesterday, and I was getting into the whole, like, oh, give the whole backstory of, you know, Second Chronicles and who King Jehoshaphat was, and um, I did at least write down, you know, he was the fourth king of Judah during, during the split, um, and he reigned for 25 years, from 873 to 8, 848 BC. But I started doing all this research, and the Holy Spirit was like, you know, let's, let's not go that route. And when I read this story, and I have seven points, I rededicated my life on April 7th, my dad's birthday is March 7th, my birthday is March 7th, my sporting number was number seven, one of my favorite quarterbacks ever is number seven, seven is the number of revelation, I love seven. So I had to come up with seven points. <laughs> um, but I want you, rather than caring about, oh, what's the history, and what exactly did Jehoshaphat do, and it, let's focus on the battles you're going through in your own life. Look through your own lens, not the lens of, oh, you know, oh, what would I have done in that situation? What would you do in the situation you're in? Translate it to your own life. Look through your own lens as we read through this, and I come up, you know, and we go through these seven points. Um, and I will admit, it's going to be a decent amount of reading, but stay with me and we'll get through this. Nothing wrong with reading your Bible, right? Um, so 2 Chronicles 20, 1 through 3. We're going to skip some of it, but I'm, we're going to go through this chapter. 2 Chronicles 20, 1 through 3. So after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites. And I have the NIV. I apologize if you're, it's a little different, but that's okay. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Mayunites, came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. So the first note I have is let's be as realistic as we possibly can and not kid ourselves. This is kind of the bad news and everything else is pretty good news. But point number one is we not only have one enemy, we're never going to have just one enemy, but we're gonna have multiple enemies. And in this case, the people of Judah had enemies from three different sides coming against them. It says they're getting close. I'm sure they were fearing for their literal lives not where they're gonna go in their life or what they're gonna study, they were probably fearing for their actual lives that they were going to die. Hmm. And then he had the people fast. So within that, those same verses, the second point, see we're already going through, two out of seven, we're, we're almost there. When we're in the midst of a battle, I kinda of talked about this at communion a couple months ago, but our eyes have to be fixed on Jesus. Not rational thought, not logical thought, has to be fixed on what the Holy Spirit's telling us. Our eyes have to be on Jesus. All right, let's keep going. So 2 Chronicles 20, verse 4. Pretty easy, right? One verse. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So this point, point number three is, 
it was never God's intent for us to fight a battle alone. Yes, I'm talking about Jesus right now, but I'm also talking about all of you. We have to come together to seek Jesus' face, and one of us is going to hear from the Lord. It might be me, it might be one of you, it might be all of us, but, but the Lord is going to speak to us and give us the route out. And it's our job as a family to be there for each other, hold each other up, encourage each other, hear from the Lord for each other, prophesy for each other, to each other, love each other, and get through a battle together because it was never God's intent for you to fight a battle alone. Getting right through here. That's three. Let's go to four. Point four. So 2 Chronicles 20.12. Now, this is really cool. So all the people are here. King Jehoshaphat, what's it say? Um, gets into the assembly of Judah, and all the people are listening. And King Jehoshaphat, with his eyes, people are fasting, his eyes steadfast on the Lord, gets up at the assembly and, and says this awesome prayer to God. Basically admitting he doesn't know what to do. Isn't that pretty cool? Like, we could be in the midst of a war and say, God, I, I, I'm about to die. I don't know what to do. So I'm not going to read the whole prayer, but let's, let's go to uh, 2 Chronicles 2012. I guess I could stop saying 2 Chronicles. Just thought of that. So 20, 20 verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Wouldn't it be pretty cool to have such faith that we're facing literal death? And we just, in our prayer life, we just admit because, you know, it's prideful to think that we can figure this all out because our brains were never meant to hold all this fear and anxiety. That's our, we are to cast our burdens onto Jesus. That's what he does for us. So point number four is admit that we don't know what to do. It's not exactly our job. I'm kind of going here. It is not by our power. It's frankly quite selfish for us even to think that we can get ourselves out of things like that by our own knowledge, because it's not our job. But it's by God's might. So Jehoshaphat is pretty much saying, here's my prayer, and then the next point, the next line of scripture is, is going to be God's response. It's God responding to him. And I will admit, this is a long one. But once we get through this, smooth sailing, pretty easy. Nothing wrong with reading your Bibles, right? So let's go to 15. Well, there we go. Yeah, this is a long one. So 15 through 24. I'm going to kind of say something here, but uh, this guy gets filled with the Holy Spirit, Jehaziel, where the Spirit comes upon him. One of the people there. The Holy Spirit speaks the answer. And then he says this to the people at the assembly. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. 
Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the gorge at the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. I'm going to say that again. You will not have to fight this battle. I'm going to say that one more time. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Now hear me, just because you're not fighting in this battle and the battle is Jesus, it doesn't mean you don't do anything. You're taking your positions with Jesus and watching him do the work as you're in faith, taking your positions. Take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not, I can't see here, do not be afraid. Again, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Koahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Just a little bit more here and then we're, we're going to be good. As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from, Mount Se- from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. They didn't do anything. That was God. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. They literally stood their ground, took a position, and praised God. You know what's interesting? This is not in my notes, but I was just thinking about it. You know that Peter story of him walking, or Jesus was on the water? in the Sea of Galilee, and Peter goes out in faith and says, you know, Jesus, you know, call me if it's really you. And he calls him, and he goes out, and he's, he's, he actually walks on the water. We have to catch it. He actually walks on the water, and it's a storm out, and then he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he falters, and he almost drowns, and Jesus picks him up. Well, we forget about the next thing that happens sometimes is, is Peter, and Jesus says something to the effect of, why are you so afraid? You have little faith. And Peter goes back into the boat. You know what happens next? the storm goes away. Like, what would have happened if Peter stood back up, took his position, and just focused his eyes on Jesus? Because sometimes that's a tactic of the devil. It's like, you, you, you step out in faith, and then a, the, the storm comes, and he knocks you back down, and then you go back into your hole, and then it's safe, and the storm goes down. But you're still just sitting there, not having courage to step out. Take your ground, take your positions, and the Lord will fight for you. Where am I here? Point number five, is it possible that praise defeats the devil faster than any other battle plan? 
It is a spiritual weapon. And the other thing is, when we hear the Holy Spirit, we must act and not give in to human reason. When we hear the voice of God, we have to mobilize rather than rationalize and give in to human thought. I mean, can you imagine being out on the street and three guys from different sides come up to you, women, whatever, guys, it doesn't matter, but they come up to you and they, they have a gun on you. And you are just crippled in fear. And the Holy Spirit comes upon you and says, worship me. What are you going to think? You're going to be like, well, you know, I go to church and this and that, but this is crazy. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give up all my stuff and I'm going to beg for my life. I'm going to be in fear because that's my rational thought. Clearly, I know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to just praise you right now. Well, I'm kind of speaking of a real story. And I remember uh, going through a little bit of school. Bill Johnson once said that there was a kid in their supernatural ministry school that was on a mission trip in Mexico. And he got, I think it was Tijuana. Don't hold me to it. But in Mexico... And somebody held him up at gunpoint. And the kid, I don't know how old he was, I think young 20s, and the kid was so filled up with the love of Jesus Christ that he didn't fear at all. And he said, he looked right at the guy with the gun to his face and he said, that's okay. I came here to die. Do you know Jesus? Woo! Woo! And the guy, so goes the story, I was not there, basically said, oh my gosh, it's real. It's real. You're willing to give up your life to talk to me about Jesus and you're not even afraid. And the guy led him to Christ right there. Dude had a gun to his head. That's this story. All right, two more points. So let's go to 25 through 28. We got through the big one. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. We're almost there. (laughs) All right, 25 through 28. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was much more plunder that it took three days to collect it. Three days. It's always funny. A lot of three days in the Bible. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Barakah to this day. Barakah means praise. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets. Point number six. When you see God deliver you, you're going to get your plunder. I'm not promising you're going to get gold. I'm not promising you're going to get riches. I'm not promising any of that. But what I mean is when you see God deliver you from death or whatever, a spirit, a thought, You are going to grow and you're going to gain something from it, is my point. And it might not be money, but you're going to grow in confidence, courage, and revelation. And the next time you face a mountain, even if it's a bigger mountain, 
it's going to seem like a smaller mountain because you're going to sit there and say, wait a second, I remember that. That was pretty easy. I just took my position, stood my ground, and Jesus delivered me from it. So I'm going to laugh at you, mountain, because I know Jesus is going to deliver me again. That's what you're going to gain from your victory. Praise Jesus. Point seven. The revelation number. My favorite number. So 29 and 30, this is it right here. So the fear of God came upon all the kingdoms of the country when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. So when you trust Jesus that much and he delivers you, yes, you're going to grow in confidence in trusting God. You're going to have more courage in God. You're going to have more revelation. But the Holy Spirit is literally also going to go in front of you and speak of your courage and the faith that you had in God and put the fear of God in others and your next opposition. So, Rick, I've always wanted to say this too. Worship team, uh, you can take the stage. Never said that before. That was fun. Worship team, if you could uh, get on up there. I just want to encourage us right now. Guys, this just hit me. Sometimes I'm sitting there and sometimes I think, you know, I might want a little prayer or this or that. And sometimes I'm, uh, I'm not saying anyone is, but sometimes I'm just a little bit too prideful. But if we're just not living victoriously, there's just one small seed of doubt in our mind. Guys, this is the time right now. This is the beginning of the year. There are huge mountains in front of us. There are mountains that some, some people have just been dealing with things for years and years and years. And they've been prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and prayed for. And they have not seen deliverance. And they've given up on certain things. We've, we, we have given up on certain things. Guys, Jesus did not pay the price and die as us so we can live as him for us to give up on certain things. So I'm going to pray a few scriptures. You don't have to look these up. I'm just going to pray a few scriptures over, over this church and over this entire body. And if the Holy Spirit's working on your heart and there, there is an anxiety or just certain things that you have just been struggling with and you need a word from God and you need prayer, you could come up here and, and we could worship together. We can pray together. There's not one person here that has to pray for everybody. Most of us here, I think almost all, all of us here know Jesus, have the Holy Spirit. Let's come together. Let's, let's worship from the posture of Worship is a weapon. Let's be washed with the peace, the actual peace of Jesus, his personhood. And let's believe that our minds were never created or meant to carry all these anxieties and all these burdens because we are to pitch them to Jesus. And that is what he does. We abide in him and he handles our burdens. Our yoke is light. 
I'll just pray over this body a few of these scriptures. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. For any of you that know the Tyler Trent story, the Purdue, the Purdue fan that passed of cancer, he was a very, very young guy. This was his favorite verse, and he prayed it all the time in the middle of cancer that ended up taking his life. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Finally, Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, come upon us. Fill us up, but also come upon us in power. And give us the courage to accept the waterfall of love that is overflowing our bodies and let us give everything to you at the foot of the cross that we are not meant to carry and that we will have victory and have had victory, have victory and will have victory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.